everybody. Welcome to the Hidden Gems Podcast. And this is a show where we like to dive into a streaming service and give you our recommendations for the hidden gems that you can find on that service. It's a lot of fun. I am film critic Rachel Wagner and Ryan is here. Hey Rachel, it's great to be back with you once again. This is our first taped episode of 2022. We did our first one live. So back to, yeah. uh, back to business, if you will. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this month is certainly interesting with the oh whole turn gosh. red business, which boo to all of that, by the way. I don't I know, know what what Disney idiot they were thinking of. That, but I mean, when I read, just to go off on a tangent, when I read that article about how the people at Pixar were just kind of just felt really sad at that news, I felt for them because let's yeah. not forget Pixar carried Disney for quite some time. They were making off Home on the Range and Tarzan 2 and a bunch of crap. And they were just doing like, let's show you how it's done. And they were riffing off just classic after classic after classic. I'm just so afraid they're going to turn it into, oh, we've got this Disney Plus, the streaming service now. Pixar, you're just doing stuff for that. It, yeah. it's just, well, it's, and honestly, I'm not that surprised in a way because we did our preview last week and we only had one thing new to preview on Disney Plus. Pretty much. For January, February. One thing, and it was an Ice Age spit series. <laughs> and that's, that's pretty not, crazy. That's not even going to be good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm very skeptical, that's for sure. And so, in a way, I kind of wasn't surprised, but... It's just like, what are they thinking? I mean, obviously they're they're just being very very short sighted, in taking what they know is a, you know, a, a a very popular entity of theirs and using it to promote their streaming service. But by a certain point, it's gonna start start to lose its luster. Mm -hmm. You can only do that so many times before people are like, oh, uh, you know, another you know, another Disney Plus thing. I when, don't know. When Soul got released on Disney Plus, it was understandable. That's when the pandemic was really at all time highs. So yeah. if you're going to release it, obviously do it there. That's that's cool. Uh, Luca was a bit of a coin toss for me. Things were a little better, but still kind of on the weary side of things. But turning red, this got like a theater date. Like there's yeah. there's a big poster at my theater. It's not going to last much longer, but there's a big old poster yeah. like at my theater now. Even if you're worried about Omicron, we're talking March. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like almost all of the estimates that I have seen have shown that the peak of that Omicron will be, will be, dwindling down yeah. uh, by the end of February from everything that I have read and it's milder anyway to begin with people are still obviously going to the theater uh, even now uh, seeing two just crossed the hundred million mark and and that didn't have nearly the buzz or the prestige of turning red and and then here you have one of the most successful movies ever in Spider-Man so I don't think it really had that much to do with the Omicron. I think it had to do with the fact that Disney needed programming for Disney Plus. I think that's why more. Yeah, my my boss of my day job is very well connected with uh, the the prominent hospitals in my general area in Florida. Yeah. 
he speaks to them quite regularly and they um and they say that when Omicron was really like gearing up, they were like, all right, let's just be prepared. They geared up everything, ICUs, ventilators, and they used like 1% of it, maybe 1.5% of it, which, yeah. I mean, they shouldn't have been able to use any of it, but if they had, but if there is a silver lining in the cloud, Omicron is very highly contagious, but not as bad. So it's, yeah. it's a, it's a head scratcher because I mean that's what the statistics bear out. I, the most of the increase is coming from pediatric hospitals, as mm. far as statistically around the country, and and I'm, I'm not saying that's like not important. Of course it is, but um, but uh, as far as adults, we have not been seeing the same kind of increases that you saw with the Delta. But anyway, I mean we're not scientists, but I just think that if you're talking about a release that's in that's in March. I think it was more to do with them not having any original programming. If you think about it, last year, we had WandaVision on Disney Plus, which everybody mm -hmm. was freaking out about, and and you know getting really invested in. And what do they have this year? Nothing. Yeah, they just had Hawkeye, but that's over. Pretty much, and they have no MCU related content yeah. coming onto there. There's the announced. book of Bubba Fett, but that's kind of fizzled. Nobody's really talking about that. Yeah, and even then, it's a limited series. It's only six or seven episodes, so it's not like a Mandalorian length. They, like, yeah. You can only do so much with it. So, I don't know. I guess to put the period at the end of the sentence, it is very frustrating. My heart does go out to the animators. Yeah. They must have worked so hard on it. The director, I believe her name is Domi Sheen. I probably butchered that. Yeah, who did Bao? Oh, bow! Oh my goodness, that yeah, that short is just. I remember, quick side story. I remember, I was watching Incredibles two premiere night, and when that short was coming on, I was like, "Oh, here comes the Pixar short." I was not prepared. <laughs> it's like <laughs> this woman like makes a dumpling. The dumpling becomes sentient, and at a point when the dumpling complains too much, she just straight up eats the thing, and I'm just like. Um, is the dumpling meant to be your child? And it's, of course, it's metaphorical. She's trying to love her son, but her son is growing up. So I get where they were trying to go for, but if you just look at it in a vacuum, this woman <laughs> made a dumpling child, and when it got too, like, out of control, she just straight up ate it. Like, like yeah. I can just make another one out of you with Which if you've had a teenager who hasn't been there, let's oh, think yeah. about that. Let's be real. <laughs> but I, I feel bad for Domi Shi. I'm sure she worked very hard on this. So, yeah. I don't know. It just, it's a sucky situation, but what can you do? Well, speaking of coming of age stories, the reason why we decided to pick, I guess you should say first, what are we talking about this uh, week um, for Hidden Gems? We're talking about Amazon Prime this week, and that's because Amazon's got a new movie out called The Tender Bar, which we have now both seen. Yes, and I enjoyed it. If you watched my underrated Movie Nerds Club video, you saw that I had The Tender Bar on my list. It's not like perfect, but I thought that it was pretty good coming of age story. And it had like a really nice sense of place and time. And you really felt like you were in Boston in the 1970s. And 
experiencing this family in this life. And, and I thought the Ben Affleck was really good. I mean, Ty Sheridan, I feel like he has never quite won me over. Uh, he's done a lot of big projects, but I've never loved him in anything. And I'm sure he's a perfectly awesome person, but just as far as performances, I don't know if he's quite there. And they keep trying to kind of push him as a new, you know, new next thing. And it's not really working for me, um, unfortunately. But uh, he was pretty bland in it. So that's a weakness. But overall, I thought it was a pretty sweet coming of age story. What What did you think? I enjoyed it as well. You know, when I was watching it, I, I remember I recommended Invincible like a lifetime ago, the Disney movie about Vince Papale, uh, uh, the football player. Yeah. And, and you were talking about it and how it was just all sepia tone for like, yeah, for like 75% of the tender bar. I'm like, this is like, this is so brown. <laughs> and now, <laughs> I, I, I get that they were trying to capture a certain feeling and I think they did just fine in that, but I was just sitting there like, I don't remember cameras shooting footage that brown <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, I did really enjoy this. Ben Affleck, I've said it before and I'll say it again. When the man is given something he can sink his teeth into, he is really, really good. And he is the best part of the movie. Yeah. I, I liked his relationship with JR. I really felt sorry for JR, especially younger JR, because yeah. he, he, like, the dad in the movie is just awful. Like you don't leave your, you don't promise your son to take him to a baseball game and Jen just like, like, like hold, like play hooky. Like you just don't yeah. do that. And the movie Although says- that did somewhat ring true for me because <laughs> so my grandfather was a difficult human. Like he had good oh. qualities about him, but he was challenging. One, I had one that was beloved and the other that was challenging. And one time he promised to take my brother to Hawaii. I think it was Hawaii. Like the, my brother's the probably state of Hawaii, like Luau. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so, my brother's probably eight, seven mm -hmm. or eight. Mm -hmm. And uh, my grandfather gets to the airport with my brother, and there's something wrong with the plane. Something's going on, and he left my brother at the airport. He gave him like money to call my mom and was like, uh, sorry, I can't take you here. Call your mother. Wow. <laughs> so my little, my brother called my mom and was like, you have to pick me up from the airport. Oh my God. I Can can't you imagine. <laughs> wow. And this yeah. is, this was like before all the TSA stuff. So yeah. So Wow. I, I mean, now, yeah, now you'd probably be arrested pretty if much, you did yeah. something like that for child abandonment or whatever. But, uh, but anyway, so <laughs> but <laughs> maybe I, that's why that didn't seem so crazy to me. But, I, uh, I, but yeah, there's that was kind of that was a crazy scene. Yeah, I immediately felt sorry for this kid because it was like, yeah. we'll go to the game, we'll have a lot of fun, and he never shows up. But Ben Affleck oh. was the only one to like call him out. He'd be like, you got yeah. my 30 bucks? They're like, you got my 30 bucks? And the dad's just like, you need to. And he's like, well, then give me my 30 bucks. And they're like, you get your 30 bucks, Uncle Charlie. <laughs> yeah, I, I I do think the parts with JR as a little little boy were better than the older parts. Oh, yeah. that I can yeah. definitely agree with you there. Yeah. And Christopher Lloyd is the, uh, yeah. is the grandfather here. 
Christopher Lloyd's having a bit of a renaissance. He was in Nobody last year, and now he's in this. Is like and a Hallmark movie. Oh yeah, I did see the trailer for that. <laughs> like, Christopher Lloyd has been a bit of a Lloydizance, if you will. Yeah, he's been everywhere. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I I just I thought it was a sweet movie. It's not perfect, but I gave it fresh, and it's at fifty percent. I I I think. Uh, it's a shame that it's that low, I guess. I'd give it in like mid to high 60s. Yeah. But that's just yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if any of you have seen The Tender Bar or if you read the book, I have the book because Netflix or Amazon, excuse me, sent me the book, but uh, but I haven't got a chance to read it yet. But um, it was funny during the, hol- during the holidays with all the... Um, and they're all sending stuff. People are people are keep thinking like people think that film critics read more than they do. I keep getting all these books. I mean, I read quite a bit, but most I think don't. That's why they're film critics, not book critics. And I uh, <laughs> I can't wait till the day when studios send me stuff. <laughs> That's well, and sometimes my day. friend, my friend Caitlin, she keeps joking that Netflix gets, keeps sending her sending her self defense <laughs> weapons. These huge books. I mean, seriously, like six pounds, like huge. I told her, I said, then you can kill someone with cinema. <laughs> Death. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so we each have uh, five choices from Amazon Prime that we've enjoyed that we consider hidden gems. Uh, and uh, so we're going to talk about those. What is your first one that you want to talk about? So my first choice is, surprisingly, I would consider a romance movie. It's, it's a biopic, but I would, there's a heavy amount of romance in here. It is the theory of everything. This starred Eddie Redmayne. I believe he won an Oscar for this, if my memory serves me right. It, is, it stars him and, and as well as Felicity Jones. And this is the, bi, the, bi, the biography of Stephen Hawking. Hopefully we all know who he was. But he was, but, and hopefully we don't know him as just the guy who sounded like this, like, like the, the, the computer voice. He was one of the most smart individuals of the modern time. And the movie talks about how he starts getting his theory of everything. And just when he's about to hit his peak, the Lou Gehrig's disease hits. And the movie is just, it's kind of it's kind of beautiful in that how it shows just how Felicity Jones's character is so is so committed to their marriage that she's willing to help her husband with just everything the through the literally the best of times and the worst of times i i like that i like the spirit of that um there's a great scene near the beginning of this when when Redmayne and Jones are on a date together and they're looking up at the stars and he brings up I can't remember the full scene but it was something about Tide and how like that is like connected to the universe it's far better if you actually watch it but it's it's really quite solid and I remember going to see this with my mom and my mom was crying so if, if she started crying then she was really liking it so I recommend this movie I really do yeah, it's an unusual romance because they actually kind of give each other permission to stray from their marriage, both of them consensually, 
which is unusual for a marriage, but it is true. That's what happened and what they did. And, uh, and they, they do have nice chemistry. I think uh, Eddie Redmayne and Felicity Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got a little tired by, by the end, all the twirling got a little gimmicky to me. I got a little tired of it, mm. but I still overall enjoyed the film. Not as bad as like, say, Wild Wild West, when they just literally <laughs> attached a camera yeah, to kind of the Brown's chair and they were like, do, 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 Like, we get it. You got camera yeah. chips. Like, I just- mean, I guess when you're talking about these prestige films that are being considered for Oscars, they do hold them up to a pretty high standard. And uh, I, 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 you know, so I do get maybe a bit more nitpicky, but, uh, but uh, this one, I mean, I certainly liked it better than Birdman that won in 2014. I tell you that right now. Not going to let the Birdman issue go, are you? <laughs> no, I'm never, <laughs> never. <laughs> yeah. All right. Like, we'll, kind of like we'll Salieri and Mozart with the two of you. <laughs> it's like from now on, we are enemies. <laughs> we are enemies. Um, all right. Well, my first choice is a movie that is flawed. I actually didn't go fresh on it, but like I think that that is one benefit of streaming is that you can watch a flawed movie and still kind of get some things out of it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I'm talking about Encounter. This was from last year. And this, particularly the ending, didn't really work for me. Um, the story, it, it has some holes and some things that were frustrating. But I think it's worth a look-see um, just because it's interesting and it makes interesting choices. I was right on the edge of fresh versus uh, rotten on it. Uh, I think the performances are really interesting. Riz Ahmed, Octavia Spencer, the two little boys. And basically it's this man who believes that his, uh, his former spouse is, has been abducted by aliens and uh, his children are at risk. But then like, as the story goes, you don't know if he is actually like, just trying to keep his children away from their mother or if he's like truly crazy or if there's like some truth to these alien things or what's going on. So like it sets up a lot of interesting things. It doesn't really, I don't think hundred percent pay off, but it's, it's interesting enough, I think to be worth checking out on streaming. Is it, is it a spoiler to ask if there are actually aliens? Well, it's a little bit ambiguous. It leaves it to you to decide of what you think. Who do oh, you believe? Yeah. And uh, yeah, basically that's kind of, kind of the end, but also it, it, it's, it, I think the, I think you're supposed to believe it's been a while since I saw it, but it's, I think you're supposed to believe that he is, he is kind of manipulative and crazy but then like there's still a little bit of ambiguity. I don't know. It's interesting that the way that's that's why it would be a good one to watch and like talk about with friends and see do you what do you think? Do you think he is he's crazy? Do you think I mean I think that um oh what's it called? Um shoot. Um it's very similar 
to the Midnight Special. That's the one, yeah. Very, very, very similar to Midnight Special. Uh, but I think that Midnight Special was just a little bit more satisfying as far as the ending and, and things going on. But, but yeah, so if you like Midnight Special, I think you'll enjoy this. And a lot of people on Letterboxd give it a pretty high score. I gave it a two and a half. So again, I was like right on the edge with it. When I saw it at TIFF, I said, uh, the summary for this film made it seem really gross with evil bugs, but it's not. It's similar to Midnight Special. The acting is good for all involved, but not really sure what it's trying to say. Kids are, the kids are put in peril a lot. Still, I was engaged throughout. So there you go. Yeah, Riz Ahmed is slowly becoming like Amazon's favorite actor. He was in like this and Sound of Metal, which Sound of Metal got a lot of awards attention from what I remember. Yeah, it's true. I mean, Sound of Metal was a great film and that did a really great job. Uh, but uh, but this one is a little more messy, I would say. But I think worth a watch. Uh, what's your next pick? So my next choice, uh, sticking to the theme of underrated stuff from last year, this is a movie that I put on my underrated movies list from last year. It's The Courier. Uh, this starred Benedict Cumberbatch and is based on a true story. It tells the story of an English businessman who was recruited by MI6 to basically spy on the Russians. The, the thought process being... He goes, to, he goes to the Soviet Union quite often. No one looks at him twice, so just give the information to him, tell him where to go, and he should be able to handle his own. Initially, he's like, I'm not a spy, I just, look, I'm a suit and tie guy. But he initially accepts, and he makes friends with his mark, basically a USSR agent who wants to take his children from there to America. The movie for the first two thirds is about their relationship, but what made me really enjoy this movie was the last third. I was, I've seen enough spy movies to kind of have a rough idea of where they're going, but, and I was like, all right, this is going to be the last, like the last con, the big, thing to wrap everything up and they all ride off in, into the sunset. I'm going to try not to spoil it, but that's not what happens. If you know this story, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about, but I did not know this story. And so when a certain thing happens, I'm just like, wait, what? And, and this was like, not even at my local theater. It was still closed due to COVID. I was at I was at the local AMC about 20 minutes away. So I had to really go out of my way to, to go see this. And I am so glad that I did for the first couple, for the first like hour 45, it is very much like standard operating procedure for spy movies. But that last third, like it's a hard left, but in the most pleasant way. And again, this is coming from someone who had no idea what the story was and I just walked out of there just pleasantly surprised at how good it was. Yeah, I actually saw this movie at uh, Sundance. Uh, I, let me see, which year did I, I think I, see, it was either 2020 or 2019 uh, that I saw it at Sundance. And I really enjoyed it. It was one of my favorite 
movies of it was uh, it was called something else um back uh when i saw it at sundance because i find the whole cold war period to just be endlessly fascinating because like i love a lot of cold war movies like there's this one called uh, tinker taylor soldier spy starring gary oldman tom hardy colin firth and like a lot of british actors and that's yeah really uh, yeah, I saw it. It was called Iron Bark back in the day at Sundance. I saw it in 2020, uh, Sundance. And I said, I mean, it had a great performance from Benedict. And uh-huh. uh, as I said here, um, uh, tells the true story of Greville Wynn, an Englishman who, recruited to, who was recruited to spy on the Soviets in the year leading up to the Cuban Missile Crisis. There's a lot to admire about Ironbark. To start with, the entire cast is great, including Rachel Brosnan and Jesse Buckley. I also thought the script for most of the film did a good job mixing in moments of humor with more tense sequences. Uh, I said back, I said towards the end, it loses control of tone and becomes a more grueling experience, but it's still a film that entertains on lots of levels. Overall, this was a very engaging story that's well told. My only problem with Iron Bark is at times it becomes a little dry and it started to lose my interest. It doesn't reinvent the wheel, but it's definitely worth checking out when it comes to a theater near you. So I gave it a 7 out of 10. That's, that's fair. That I would hover it around that same place. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. Well, cool. That's a good choice. And yeah, Jesse Buckley is in it, who I love. <laughs> She's a hallmarky, right? No, she, I, I wish. No, she was in a movie called Wild Rose that I, I loved and adored in 2019. And oh, yeah. I, I just really think she's great. Um, all right. Well, my next choice is a series on Amazon. It's called With Love. Excuse <coughs> me. My next choice is a series on Amazon called With Love. And this is a, it takes a basically like a family uh, story and tells all the different love stories within that family. And it's a Latino family. I forget where it's all set. It's like LA, I think. I can't remember. Anyway. um, And uh, I thought it was pretty good. I kind of was a little annoyed because uh, I wanted Emma Tobias' character Lily to end up with this uh, with this guy Nick, and uh, who I thought she had much better chemistry and I liked way better than the lead played by Rome Flynn named Santiago. But spoiler alert, they didn't go that way this season, uh, and I was disappointed because I, like I said, I just felt like I felt like Santiago was very flat, like. Uh, Rome Flynn is extremely good looking, but I just didn't think they had any real chemistry. Um, you also have uh, you have this relationship between uh, Isis King uh, and uh, Todd Grinnell. Uh, she's a um, uh, Isis King is transgender um, and starts this relation. They're both doctor, or she's a nurse, I think, and he's a doctor. Uh, but that was a cute relationship. I like Emerald Tobia. She's so beautiful. Um, and then there's their parents' relationship that is kind of in a midlife crisis kind of spot. Uh, Constant Marie and um, 
the um, Benito Martinez. Uh, and then you have uh, her brother, Lily's brother, Jorge, played by Mark Indelcado, and his boyfriend, uh, Henry, played by Vincent Rodriguez. So anyway, you have all these different relationships and you're following it for 10 episodes. And uh, there's obviously like tons of diversity and tons of representation. And overall, it was an enjoyable watch. I wasn't feeling great. And so it was like a perfect thing to kind of stream uh and um just kind of relax and watch uh it's um like i said i was a little frustrated because i really wanted lily and nick so hopefully if we get a season two they'll <laughs> they'll go that way back because i thought it was a way better and i feel like from what i'm seeing online is that more people are kind of team lily and nick and not team lily and santiago but nevertheless it's a show to watch <laughs> did it get canceled or is there going to be a new season um, I, I'm not hundred percent sure. I, I don't think they've said one way or another, but I could be wrong. So I don't know. Let's see if I says anywhere online. Cause it sounds interesting. Yeah. I don't think it's been announced yet. Oh, whether they've uh, renewed or yeah. So what's your next? So my next choice is a movie from 2016 and it is called The Lost City of Z. This was directed by James Gray who would go on to direct Ad Astra. It starred Charlie Hunnam. My, this was my first exposure to Tom Holland but Tom Holland is in this. And it tells the story of a man named Percy, Percy Fawcett. Percy Fawcett. Your story, I think, right? Yes. And it tells the story of Percy Fawcett, who in the 1920s ventured into the Amazon, which was still widely unknown because he believes that there is a lost city there, conceivably a, conceivably a lost city of gold. And the movie chronicles... Percy's various attempts to try and find it. This is a movie that I didn't see in theaters. It was one of those that didn't really come near my area. And so I didn't really think that much of it. But then I saw it on Amazon and I was like, I'll give this a shot. And I actually liked it more than I thought I would. The pacing is a bit slow at times. It's two hours and 21 minutes long. And it did not need to be that long, to be completely honest. But I, I like the ambiance here. I like how 1920s it feels. I like, the, I like the cinematography. I like the clothing everyone wears. Uh, I like Charlie Hunnam. Uh, it's, it's weird how long he's been acting. I recently watched Children of Men for a review coming up on my channel. And he's one of the main villains in that. And he's like got dreads and, and like just... Thinking to myself, Children of Men came out in 2006. Charlie Hunnam's been around for quite some time. And so it's crazy to think about. Uh, Robert Pattinson's in here as well. I mean, he's he's gone through a bit of a credibility renaissance after Twilight. I mean, he's, he's the Pat-Man now. That dude's going to be the biggest thing in 2021. Just you wait. Uh, Sienna Miller's in here. Tom Holland, of course. 2016 was a bit of a big year for him. Not only would he be in this but he would also be in a little movie called Captain America Civil War, where he would 
take up the Spider-Man mantle that he carries all the way into Spider-Man No Way Home from last year. So I will say that this is very slow at times, but I'm, I'm a sucker for these kinds of movies. It's like exploration kind of period pieces kind of stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think this is another good movie that's that has its flaws, but it, since it's on streaming, definitely worth checking out. And James Gray, he always goes for it. That's one you got to admire about him is that he never makes a like a half baked movie. It's always super ambitious. That's and it, yeah, I mean, it's he's kind of like Zack Snyder in that way. Like they both always go for it, but but I think that uh, that he has more my aesthetic certainly james gray than uh than zack snyder but um uh but yeah you know this uh this movie is too long it kind of drags but there's a lot of interesting stuff in it. it's worth worth checking out on streaming i think like how long can these people be on this boat <laughs> honestly yeah, that's right <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, my next pick is an anime pick called Jinro, the Wolf Brigade. And I actually watched this. If you check, checked out my animated Oscars uh, video that I did on the animated films from 1999, like what, what would uh, get nominated and what I think would win if they'd had the award then, I talked about this movie uh, in that video. And uh, so that was when I watched it was for that when I was preparing for that video. And, and this uh, really impressed me. I thought it was incredibly beautifully animated. Um, it's kind of a lot, it's hard to explain, but basically uh, it's about a, um, a s soldier that uh, confronts a girl uh, in this kind of post-apocalyptic kind of world, this dystopian world. And the girl commits suicide. But before she commits suicide, she kind of turns into a wolf. And he doesn't know what to think about that. And it starts him down uh, on this, uh, this um, pathway to figuring out this whole, I guess, race of wolves and trying to figure out this suicide uh, girl and I, I thought it was really well done I thought it was really good and beautifully animated and uh, so yeah it's definitely I think worth a shot that sounds like one of the most anime pre premises of all <laughs> yeah a man true. falls in love with a woman who before she dies turns into a wolf well he doesn't fall in love with her he's chasing her oh I'm sorry chasing yeah yeah he's chasing her it's a little girl He's chasing the little girl and or young lady, and before she commits suicide, he sees this wolf and he's like, "What is this wolf?" Yeah, you know it's weird. Uh, last year <laughs> I watched all of the Studio Ghibli output minus Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind, and The Red Turtle. The rights issues on those are oh, yeah. a little all over the place, but I have ones, I have seen Nausicaa and that was very good, but. My appetite has been kind of peaked for anime like movies because I, I reviewed Akira last year and that movie was boof. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was very good, but it was like, dee, 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 dee. like what is going yeah. on here? <laughs> this is kind of along those sort of Kira 
dystopian kind of lines ghost in the shell akira this kind of that uh except for this just has i mean all three of those have really distinct aesthetics and this is very dark uh and um uh i i liked it i thought it was good i really did definitely sounds like like something up my alley yeah, and they say the summary, a member of an elite paramilitary counterterrorism unit becomes traumatized after witnessing the suicide bombing of a young girl and is forced to undergo retraining. However, unbeknownst to him, he becomes a key player in a dispute between rival police divisions as he finds himself increasingly involved with the sister of the girl he saw die. Da -da -da. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I just have one thing to say. Oh, Japan. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your next pick? So my next choice is a TV show. And back when I was younger, I used to watch the History Channel quite a bit. Uh, I started watching Vikings when it first uh, when it first started airing, and I fell in love with that show. And I kind of started to get involved with a lot of the other shows that it had and before you continue on which i have why so there's the show ghosts have you heard about it ghosts like ghost on... hunters no no it's on i think cbs it's the show ghosts and these people move into this house where there's all these ghosts and one of them starts being able oh. to see the ghosts oh yeah it's pretty funny and I guess there's a British version too that's also funny. Anyway, just made me think of it because there's Thor is in the house, this version of particular version of Thor. Oh, and wow. he loves Vikings on the history channel. Wow. <laughs> He's like, I'll only let you live if if you let me watch Vikings. <laughs> I must watch Ragnar. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, no, it's cool. Anyway. So I started watching Vikings on History Channel, and I just fell in love with the other shows. I, like, uh, there was one called Top Shot that I believe I recommended once upon a time on this podcast. If I didn't, remind me to the next time around. But uh, Top Shot, um, America, the Story of Us, which I know I've recommended. Uh, yeah. Mankind, the Story of All of Us, which I've also recommended. And, and of course, I eventually fell down the Pawn Stars uh, rabbit hole. And Pawn Stars got so big that they did splinter shows. And this, this, what I'm recommending is one of those splinter shows. It's called Counting Cars. Uh, I love, like, old muscle cars. Like, sometimes if I'm in the area, I like to go to, like, a car show, and I like to see, like, old Mustangs and Chargers and El Caminos. Like, I just... I love seeing like 50s, 60s, 70s era cars. And this show is kind of basically about restoring cars. And this this shop, they take commissions and they turn hunks of junk into like these beautiful machines. And and of course it's a reality TV show that there so there's like the force, we gotta meet the deadline or else we're not gonna make it. And there's stuff like that. There's the colorful characters and other things. There's the one who is always berating the owner, like, you paid too much for that. And the owner's like, hey, I'm absorbing the cost here. You're not. So, like, just listen to me once in a while, will you? But I don't know why. I just, I, I love, 
I guess my love of these kinds of cars just drew me into this show. And so yeah. I, I do recommend it. It's, it's kind of like potato chip TV. You don't really think about it too much, but seeing something just like all rusted out and like barely drivable to like just a work of art is very satisfying. I definitely had my era where I was watching those shows, like whether it was, whether it was, you know, County Cars or American Pickers or oh, yeah. you know, just like that, that whole sort of era of those shows. I haven't watched them for a while, but they were fun. They, they would cross over sometimes, like mm-hmm. the Pickers would come into the pawn shop. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they did Cajun Pawn Stars, but let's not talk about that. Certainly <laughs> Rick Harrison wouldn't want to. Well... I might have talked about my next pick before. I've kind of lost track. It wasn't on this on the um, uh, the letterboxed, but um, I feel like I've talked to you about it somewhere. Um, it's the greatness that is Snowmance. <laughs> this is certainly and, my first time here. Oh, okay, box, okay. So. I guess I haven't then. Well, Snowmance is very memorable for me for Hallmarkies podcast because it came out in 2017 when we were just getting started. And uh, our, it was on the Ion channel. And we, when we were doing our preview, we previewed a couple Ion, uh, Ion things. And they tend to pick things that are a little bit edgier. They don't have a ton of budget. And, and in this case, this was on Ion channel. And uh, my co-host at the time, Amber, she saw it. And she just loved it. And she was like, Rachel, you got to watch uh, Snowman's. So I watched Snowman's and she was like, we need to have an emergency episode of the podcast. And so we, <laughs> we had an emergency episode of Hallmarkies podcast and uh, the star, Jesse Hutch, he happened to hear the podcast and he liked it. Again, this is, we had only done like maybe 20 episodes at that point. Like we were just starting. And uh, anyway, he liked it. And he posted about it on his social media and he was like, these girls are awesome. They're so funny and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and so then he ended up coming on our podcast and he was hilarious. And I don't know, it's just very memorable to me for that reason, but it was also just like, so still actually really good. And I just, we just did it for on friendship, uh, uh, episodes. I just rewatched it this last, uh, cycle and we had so much fun and, uh, with it and it's basically it's about jesse hutch plays this uh this snowman that comes to life and this girl she every year with her bff who's obviously in love with her but he she doesn't realize it this this girl the in her bff make a snowman every year it's their tradition and one year she's making a wish on the snowman and of course then the snowman comes to life and it is just really funny. There's one scene where he's coming in and I don't know why snowman meat equals like liking sort of Scandinavian food, but nevertheless, he comes in and he brings like all of this like salted cod and stuff like that into this, into this, into the work. And he's like, this is great, great food. You got to eat it. Uh, and of course he gets like super hot in, in cold weather. And so he's like taking off his shirt and like, oh, it's so hot. <laughs> And I don't know. It's just really good. I very much enjoy it. So if you haven't seen it and you want to laugh, I think it's a good one. So it's safe to say if it wasn't for snowmans, then Hallmarkies wouldn't be as long as it is nearly. Like yeah, I don't, I don't know because we ended up having, Jesse was probably like our third or fourth celebrity interview that we had. 
Um, he was one of the early ones and, and uh, it certainly was a very memorable event in the podcast. And it was also funny because when we were talking um, a couple of episodes later, there was a movie with Adam Hertig who played the BFF theme. And uh, I said to the, <laughs> said in the podcast, I said, well, like, I said, look, it's our friend, Adam Hertig, meaning like, that's just kind of what you say on podcasts, you know, like people that you like or people that, oh, it's our friend or whatever. And <clears throat> and meaning he's been in movies that we like. And Amber was like, what? He's not our friend. And I was like, sure, he's our friend. How rude. And we went back and forth. And then he heard about it, Adam Hertig, and he was posting on Twitter, like, how dare you, Amber? <laughs> and so anyway, it's just has a ton of memories packed into snowman's but it's also legitimately funny and worth watching yeah you should uh, have them back on and say hey if it wasn't for you we wouldn't be here <laughs> we actually i've actually just been emailing him ironically maybe that's part of the reason why i thought of this but we may have him on in the next two weeks so very excited jesse hutch not adam for tech although like adam we'd love to have you on <laughs> our friend <laughs> So there you go. That's Snowman's. It's great. So what's your next? So my final pick is another is another reality show. And I had to, th this was another one where I was like, have I recommended this before? And I didn't see it again on the letterbox. So I was like, I'm just going to recommend it anyway. Uh, the British version of Top Gear. And this was falling along the same lines of my car phase, I guess. And I was just kind of looking for car shows. And when the American version of Top Gear premiered on History Channel, I was like, and when I heard, oh, there's a British version, I'm like, okay, I'll look it up. And so I did. And I, and I fell in love with it. And it's really, the show really is about the three main co-hosts just testing cars for an hour or however long the episode is. But it's the chemistry between the three that really makes you, like, you come for the cars, but you stay for for the three hosts. I can't think of all three, but I know Jeremy Clarkson's one of them and James May's the other one of them. I think the other one's named Brian. I'm having a, I'm having a brain fart at the minute, but I love all three of them. And they're actually still together. They're do. They're actually doing the grand tour on Amazon Prime. If my memory serves me right, if it's still going. Is, is it the American version or the U.S. version? The U.K. version. U.K. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they have the Stig, and he always did the uh, the test drive in the reasonably priced car, and they would have the celebrities do the test drive in there as well. That was a lot of fun. Strangely, in like one of the earlier seasons. They had Boris Johnson on there before he would become the UK Prime Minister. It was like, oh, and from the Conservative Party, here is Boris Johnson. I'm like, oh, really? What year was this? <laughs> That's interesting. It was like 2006 or seven, a similar uh -huh. time. But um, <laughs> yeah. but they actually did several specials, like a Burma special and a Polar special and a US special. They did all of that as well. But like I said, the appeal of the show is the dynamic that the three main co-hosts have because they all they all secretly try to outdo each other and they try and pull like tricks on one another and just trying them trying to one up each other is more than half of what makes the show a lot of fun. So 
there there are a lot of seasons so i i should forewarn everybody but start from start from the beginning and work your way forward it does it's it's really is a lot of fun yeah yeah very good sometimes you just need shows like that that you can just that aren't like they aren't challenging and you just kind of want to watch just you don't even want to have to worry about a plot you just want to watch something yeah that's that's why i want to thank whoever decided to upload all of kitchen nightmares and all of hell's kitchen onto youtube for free because whoever that person was they deserve a raise because they did it literally before covid hit but then when covid hit i was just like sure i'll watch hell's kitchen and i got addicted for me that's like beat bobby flay that's kind of my show of just like that's I'm a good show turn it too. on we should do another discovery plus episode one of these days oh i agree i agree yeah that's like loaded so my last recommendation is another christmas movie but this was from 2019 it's called feast of the seven fishes and this is set in the 1980s i believe and it <laughs> um it's kind of a slice of life film it feels kind of richard link ish uh, and it, uh, it's about a family and they're, uh, just following their, um, uh, their various mem- members of the family, um, over Christmas Eve and all the different things that happen as they're preparing the Feast of the Seven Fishes, which is a, uh, tradition, uh, amongst Italian, uh, Italians, Italian Americans, and it's um, Feast of the Seven Fishes is a romantic comedy set in a rust belt town on the banks of the Mangolahela River in 1983 when a nice working class Italian-American Catholic boy brings an affluent Ivy League Protestant girl to his family's raucous traditional seafood feast on Christmas Eve and sparks fly. So that kind of gives you an idea of what it's like. It's, it doesn't have like a ton of plot. It's more about the characters and them and their experiences on this day uh but i enjoyed it i thought it was it was fun and it's something a little bit different if you want something that's got like a little more sarcasm it's a little bit uh a little bit less cutesy compared to hallmark or lifetime uh then this would be a good i think choice and this is one that i think if you were looking for something that maybe would be both that both men and women would both like equally this would be i think a pretty good choice <laughs> um but I, anyway i just i just enjoyed it i thought it was it was a good solid little christmas movie yeah i, I remember going to ireland thinking i went to ireland in 2016 and i was like what's the deal with the whole catholic protestant thing like it's just we're worshiping oh, yeah. the same god what's happening here well and this and, is italy but yeah but yeah same same dynamic and then it was there as like, oh, they take it super duper seriously over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you want a good, um, uh, another good example, it's not on Amazon Prime, but of that feud is uh, watch Dairy Girls, D-E-R-R-Y. Yeah, you recommended uh, that a yeah. long time ago as well. So good. But that's a huge dynamic of that show is the Protestant versus Catholic divisions in the um, 90s. Uh, in Ireland. Really good. Anyway, that's my last choice. So therefore we did it. (laughs) Let us know what you have been watching on Amazon Prime. 
Uh, if you found any good stuff over there, uh, we would love to hear your thoughts. And uh, Ryan, where can people find you? They can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at RyanCam20. And there is, of course, my YouTube channel, which is just called Ryan Cam. I recently hit 194 subscribers. I am six away from the big 200. So oh if gosh. you haven't checked me out, please do. Uh, I, I, I recently reviewed the 355. It was kind of eh, kind of there for me. But I'm going to be seeing the new Mamaru Hosoda movie, Bell, and I will have a review up for that. Um, my the second episode of my new podcast with Jacob Martin, Life in the Movies with Brian and Jacob, is going to be dropping, uh, or has already dropped by the time this airs on, on Wednesday. Going to be talking about the Flash, the Flash movie coming out in November, and rumors that it's going to erase the Snyderverse. So that's going to be fun. Uh, and then. Uh, and then elsewhere, I'm actually doing a review show with the Suit Up Geeks podcast for every episode of the Book of Boba Fett. So that's been so much fun to do. And I'm also a part of their Oscars draft, which I believe will be on the 15th. Uh, Matt Neglia from Next Best Picture is going to be a part of that. So I think I'm pretty much screwed. But it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be working with Deebs and Lowe and Manda and Ryan O'Toole and a bunch of my favorite people on this. I mean, Rachel, you're obviously number one to me, but I've, I've got several favorites. So yeah. I'm, I'm doing a lot of stuff. If you haven't checked me out, I suggest you follow me on my social media. I'll be promoting it as much as I can. Yes, you also definitely check it out. And this month we have uh, Barbie month uh, over on Family Movie Nights. So make sure you take a look at that. Uh, and on Homework's podcast, we're doing our end of the year videos and having a lot of fun at our episodes. Uh, so make sure you check out over there. And uh, and uh, yeah, just keep it kind of busy. I had a cold, still like a teeny tiny bit of it hanging on there. Don't worry, not COVID, got tested. Um, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, so I've been kind of relaxing and trying to get better. Um, uh, but, uh, but a lot of good stuff still happening. We had my episode on 2021 animation with Animat this week. Uh, we have my ranking of Disney and of Disney films period with, uh, Stanford, which is for 2021 that's coming up. That's gonna be a lot of fun. Also this week recording, um, the uh, female film critics panel this month, we're, just it's just my friends and I all talking about Tick Tick Boom because we all <laughs> loved it so much. So uh, that's going to be fun. Something a little different that we haven't done for that series. Um, so lots of good stuff going coming up. And if you have any suggestions of what we should talk about for Hidden Gems, please let us know in the comment section. And thanks so much, everybody. We'll talk to y'all later. Bye, everyone. Bye.